1: Right now on fast, can't stop, won't stop. Shares of NVIDIA roaring higher after hours. The stock up nearly 20% after blowing the doors off earnings and telling the street AI is going to keep the party rolling. The move, the conference call highlights, and the ripple effect on the market straight ahead. Plus, the Tesla tumble, Elon Musk's EV brand taking a massive hit in a closely watched brand reputation poll. The company falling 50 spots from just outside the top 10 to number 62. The details behind the plunge and the potential stock impact coming up. And later, a 90s fashion favorite making a monster stock comeback today. Toll Brothers talking about a potential M&A land grab. And a look at the energy names. Golden thinks could be very undervalued. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live with the NASDAQ Market Site. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Courtney Garcia, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. we start off with an earnings alert on Nvidia shares hitting all time highs in the after hours after the chip maker posted a top and a bottom line beat. The stock adding $150 billion and counting to its market cap after this report. That call just getting underway. Let's get straight to Christina Parts nevelis with the latest. Christina.
2: Well, market cap over Berkshire Hathaway, and already high valuation trading at 70 times forward P.E. And the stock, like you said, is still soaring above 20%, hitting an all-time high, inching closer and closer to that trillion-dollar market cap, which is pretty substantial for a chipmaker. Although, let's talk about the revenues for Q1. Down year over year, Q1 revenues were actually up 19% quarter over quarter, with What data center sales hitting a record, up 18% sequentially, led by, you guessed it, growing demand for generative AI and large language models. Data center sales encompass that all-important H100 AI chip. And then we've got to talk about gaming revenue. Also, an important uh, important segment was down 38% year-over-year, which kept gross margins lower than last year. But the segment was still up double digits sequentially. The launch of new gaming graphic cards helped. And then last but not least on your screen, you're seeing auto sales also kept growing up 114% year over year. So a lot of uh, what we're seeing in this name was riding on the guidance and it did not disappoint. Expecting Q2 revenues of $11 billion with higher than expected gross margins. Lots of wins, including its biggest revenue beat in five and a half years. And the stock now is 21 and a half percent higher.
1: Wow, Christina, thank you. Keep us posted on this conference call, which is underway as we speak. This is the stock everybody wanted to short for fundamental reasons, for technical reasons, Guy. And here we are, all-time highs.
3: Yeah, I'm guilty of that for sure. I mean, it's, inc- it's the second quarter revenue, got $11 billion off what the street was looking. The, mi- the midpoint was about $7.2 I think even the high on the street was $9 billion. So it's a pretty remarkable guide, but it's still a very expensive stock. Even with that guide, this subsequent move I mean, you're paying up for NVIDIA here. And maybe you should pay up. I mean, maybe I just have it flat and wrong in terms of valuation. They'll grow into the valuation and stuff. But you're still talking about a company, even with this move, even with this guy, this 25 times revenue, mm-hmm. I don't know, 55 and F 55 times EPS and stuff at trading at an all-time high. Let's see how it performs. But congratulations if you've owned this stock for the run. If,
4: if you think that all, all these stocks that have moved the market so far this year have been based on AI. So Nvidia holds 90% of the market share of AI. So, by the way, let's get it out of the way. There's nobody. Maybe you could say I. I I would have thought it would have been a sell. So I think everyone collectively thought it was overpriced, overvalued. It's still not overvalued when you look at it in hindsight. But when you think about what you have to do with all of that uh, computing data, you need NAND. You need memory what gets us back to Micron. I'd be a buyer of Micron on the back of NVIDIA's results. I know it doesn't sound right, but you're going to need something unsexy like Micron for something sexy like NVIDIA.
5: So, just the fact that these numbers, even for, for the current quarter, blew away guidance that management had given so recently. 50%
1: they, they, increase in revenue. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's it, so insane. You've they, never
5: heard of that before. These were cartoonish numbers. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, you read stuff like we're significantly increasing our supply to meet surging demand for the entire data center family of products. We're not even talking about even the stuff that's the pixie dust. So, it, it's, you know, their core business is strong. You mentioned gaming. Uh, their auto design pipeline is $14 billion in surging. It, you know, so it's just... At what point, and this is where the the, the technical guys out there will say, um, you know, Fundamentals of, are a function or, or technicals are a function of good fundamentals. In other words, that they, they they're not here to tell you what to buy. They usually will say, tell me where to buy it. But but that ultimately, this really is a story where uh, even technical guys who see this breakout say that's a function of fundamentals. Now, the stock's not cheap. Um, and, and there are some shorts out there that are scrambling. And there's some look, uh, a, a lot of people. It's been easy to say that this stock was expensive, was. Um, it, and, and I certainly have said that many times on this show. Um, but this is one of those stories that, uh, unfortunately, for fundamentals, you just haven't really seen them line up. And, and I think the demand and the opportunity is out there. But their core business is better than people thought. And that's what's amazing here.
1: So, I mean, with all that said, I mean, are we may- maybe looking at a re-rating? If we, in the case, in the scenario of a re-rating of the stock where we do think things look a lot better and guidance is going up a lot, maybe it's fair to say that it should trade at this multiple at this point, I don't know.
6: I mean, they're, they're definitely a lot more than their competitors really uniquely positioned to take advantage of AI, which we've seen with every company that's reported. If you mention AI or you're in AI, that is what it's gonna benefit you right now. And so I think that is a beneficiary for NVIDIA. Um, they were expensive coming into this. They're still expensive now. So no, it wasn't something that I was jumping into. Um, this is also important to know as an investor, even if you're not necessarily a buyer of NVIDIA, we have a lot of people who are just investing in the S&P 500, maybe in index funds is a very large portion that's only getting bigger. I mean, and this is one of the stocks that has really led the entire S&P return this year. Um, and a lot of people are starting to get overexposed in that. So just know what you own, cause even if you don't own this outright, you probably have exposure to this, so just keep that in mind.
4: And, and data centers where Christina led off on, on the report, it does have a lot to do with AI. So I think we have to, to your point, you have to re-rate, not only re-rate it, you have to look under the hood and see everything has to do with AI. And then figure out where, where, to Guy's point, where you grow into those uh, earnings.
3: It's interesting, though. No, I mean, it's going to drag up the rest of the sector, I'm sure. I mean, AMD's yeah. probably significantly yeah. higher. I'm sure even Microsoft gets a boost on the back of this as well. It's going to be interesting to see if Intel goes up or down. I mean, their data center Flat number. right now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it just shows that Intel is still well behind the, the eight ball here in terms of data center. And everybody else is winning. At least you can make a compelling case in valuation for Intel, although... That's been a loser's argument for a while. I'm interested to see what it does to the broader market tomorrow, obviously. Yeah. I'm sure NASDAQ futures are going to be significantly higher. The S&P under pressure today. This flies in the face of all the other things we'll talk about on tonight's show. But for a day at least, this is a pretty incredible report. What does this
1: tell us about market men- market mentality? We're seeing a day where, you know, it's day two of markets being under pressure because of these debt ceiling talks we See the volatility index finally 20 and above. Finally, finally, um, going higher, and yet we have whatever touches AI going higher as well, Tim. And we've talked about the sort of AI potential bubble forming in the market. Is this case in point of it? Well,
5: it, again, you, you you're breaking out to a new high, a fresh new high yeah. in a stock, and so this is maybe leading the entire market to to start to make that challenge. And and if you think about even the the backdrop of today's uh, debt ceiling negotiations, which were seen as negative and 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 certainly a negative for the market. Uh, This is another reason why big cap tech should rally. And and so um, and then I get back to where I I see record short positions in in E-minis and S&P futures. Uh, I certainly see an institutional world that is underinvested. They see hedge funds and CTIs, CTAs, commodity trading accounts that are significantly underweight the S&Ps. And this is the part of this that tells me we go higher. I know we debated was the debt ceiling, you know, get it done. And that's actually a sell the news effect. But I think positioning is so bearish right now. I know it's hard to believe at 4,200 on the yeah. S&P um, when we're at the top end of a range for a year. But but really, positioning is bearish, think, and, think- and this is the kind of stuff that tells people, hey, these these uh, these blow up tops from pre or from COVID days, we can actually increase upon them in an. Individual. Think about
4: large cap uh, tech stocks where you you used to have disruptors be able to enter the market. If rates stay where they're at now, you can't get a startup knock someone off the hill anymore. So that moat around all those large cap names has grown bigger. So it's even better. So it's be even exactly. more
1: of a premium. So you're just making the case for That's that's more the money reason why bigger, that's the reason why people are
4: undervested be... in these large cap tech names and that's an element that just hit me in the last couple of weeks that that could be more insulative than we first thought.
3: No, it's fair. I mean, I, so let's say off of this guide for the mm-hmm. second quarter. Let's be extraordinarily constructive let's say it's a 50 billion dollar revenue company which is a stretch by the way okay we're now approaching a trillion dollars in market cap i mean you can even, wow. even so even with the best case scenario for revenues i mean approaching a trillion dollars still an expensive stock i mean again it could could it grow into it absolutely is it the most important company in the world right now well it certainly trades that way
5: the question is they're they're being priced as if and i realize intel nvidia uh, not so much, different. <laughs> but but the, the the presumption that Nvidia maintains the pole position in in generative AI and and even just the data center chips uh, that are so critical is 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 I think a bit of a uh, of a stretch. Why? I mean. Who's, who's- well, um, at the door. I mean, AMD has some ability to, to compete there. I mean, I, I just believe that it's it's not a one horse race. Well, they have 90% uh, market share right
4: now. They, they, so, yes, it's, it could change, but right now they are. It's their share the, to lose.
5: Exactly. It's their share to lose. But but again, where we've seen people close the gap on technology so quickly, especially in the semiconductor land, to a place where things start to become somewhat commoditized. I realize we're very far away from that, um, but I just think it's extraordinary that that you know they're they're seen to be the ones without any type of, of threat to their competitive mode.
1: Courtney, does this um, move in NVIDIA make you more optimistic about the markets and specifically tech, or does it make you question where we are even more? I
6: think it would make you question where we are more just because these valuations are getting so, I mean, outrageous. So I really don't know a better word for it. But on the flip side, I think to play devil's advocate, Um, What is a beneficiary of AI is it is going to make the economy in general a lot more productive and I think that is where you can to a certain extent justify these higher valuations to the extent that you're seeing that with Nvidia a company's already up over 105% this year before this jump after hours today. Not a stock I'm jumping into by any means Um, but I mean it definitely
1: could be a good thing in the long run. Yeah. um Guy, what do you want to know on the conference call? Which is uh, 11 minutes in right now.
3: Uh, how many times they say? AI, I mean, AI. L- last time it was like in the 30s, I think. I'm, I'm, be, I'm being a somewhat. I mean, their core. The d- difference between this quarter and last quarter in video, actually, the, to Tim's earlier point, their core business did extraordinarily well. Last quarter was sort of match, but the fact that they mentioned AI all those times got them over the over the over the threshold. This their core business is doing well. Can margins hang in there? I mean, we're talking about margin expansion, which is good. But, you know, can margins continue to move? And how concerned are they? And they talked about it. U.S., China. China. Yeah, because NVIDIA actually made reference to that, I think, earlier this week.
1: Well, that seems like the sort of wild card out there that I don't want to say black swan because we know it exists in terms of a risk, but sort of the outlier risk that could really knock this valuation down very quickly, either that or some sort of a lockdown which could affect production.
5: Yeah, except for the fact that they they haven't really – haven't talked about that. And I really this was also another one of these days where we started to hear about China getting ready to shut down again. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, the story here is that there is uh, such a, a tailwind behind this entire space, as I've just argued that I don't believe they should hold this competitive threat forever, edge forever. But I do think that there's nobody else in their space. And it's a case where NVIDIA even... Last year, we found three other things that they were also the front runner. Remember when it was just gaming and graphics chips? And this is the and reason why crypto. you owned Nvidia. And it was crypto, and and you know, so yeah. um, it's Nvidia's game, and everybody else is watching.
3: Muppet News Flash. Yes. Mm. So Christina, who just yeah. she just texted me, they've mentioned AI twenty-eight times so far in, in
1: th- twelve minutes. I'm just, I'm just twenty-eight times in twelve I'm minutes. Just telling so he's you. just going on AI, AI, AI. Apparently, AI. it's on a loop. <laughs> um, the stock is at after our session highs right now up 23 percent. So this Boom. is, of course, something that we will continue to monitor. Meantime, let's uh, talk about the broader markets, A looming debt default deadline. Lawmakers are still unable to reach an agreement on spending, though House Speaker Kevin McCarthy just saying that some progress has been made. For more, let's bring in Joe Lavornia, Chief Economist at SMBC, NICO Securities America. Joe, great to have you with us. Um, Thanks,
7: most Great to be with you guys
1: we're in, in single digit days away from the x state i mean does that matter are we going to start seeing the damage done to the u.s the damage done to the economy the damage done to the markets prior to june 1.
7: if uh, yogi bear i think melissa said it's deja vu all over again it feels that way with the debt ceiling we've been through this so many times there are about five points where there's a lot of overlap and ability to compromise so a deal will get done there won't be a technical default but it doesn't mean melissa we won't go to the last minute and the last minute isn't necessarily june one i'm guessing it's somewhere between june one and june nine the reality is treasury has a lot of ability to make this deadline later but it becomes all political but there will be something done
1: yeah we are just putting up a screen joe of how the markets reacted on the downgrade of the u.s credit rating um, in 2011 but the reality is, is that there was a deal reached prior to this downgrade yes. It was reached overnight between august 1st and august 2nd so i mean we we can make a deal but the damage could still come
7: well here's what i would tell you melissa a couple of things number one uh back in 2011 the rating agencies already put the us on downgrade in the spring that didn't happen this time around Uh, number two john boehner had 49 seat majority whereas speaker mccarthy only has nine and that 49 seats that boehner had were unruly tea party set of folks in, in 11, the economy was weak. We worried about Greece and European sovereign debt, a lot of other factors at play. So, a repeat to 11 seems to me highly unlikely. Doesn't mean that markets won't wobble between now and the X date, which I'm saying is by June 9, or for that matter, the bill market, which certainly is reflecting these risks, but also because investors can't be in some of these securities for the slim risk of a technical default. They're out of certain sectors in, in, in the bill market. But again, I firmly believe this will be resolved. Maybe the last minute will be resolved and we'll go on to the next thing.
5: Hey, Joe, it's Tim. So I I think you just answered what was gonna be my question on Speaker McCarthy and how he comes into this and really the the backing or lack of backing he's had for, uh, you know, since he became Speaker or since he, the 15 times it took him to become Speaker. Let's layer in where the Fed is right now, what's going on with interest rates, and, and in terms of what it, it, you know, this combination though means for uh, your outlook on the economy. You've you've talked at, at different times on the show, you know, leading indicators, things that really have you very concerned. Um, does yes, does I the mean, debt ceiling do anything to any of that?
7: No, no, it'll be and again, it'll be solved by 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 June nine, say at the latest. When I look at leading economic indicators, Tim, I see they're down 13 months in a row. I see they're down eight percent year over year. This feels eerily similar to the 06 to 08 period where people were looking for a recession. It took a long time to happen. And of course, when we got it, it was was pretty ugly. And uh, I fear that's what's going to happen again because household borrowing costs, not financial conditions, but what it costs households to borrow, those are at 20 plus year highs. Record mortgage rates, credit card rates, auto loans, personal loans, that's 70% of the economy. And I'm fearful that when the labor market turns, the economy will and quite sharply. And let me add one other thing as it relates to equities, because you guys talk a lot about that. Over the past few weeks, we've seen a significant increase in real interest rates, well above one percent. I don't believe this economy has the dynamism and the potential growth to 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 continue to growing in the face of one percent real rates. In the past, when that happened, the economy abruptly slowed or the Fed cut rates very rapidly. That doesn't seem to be likely at the moment. Joe.
3: Um, here's one for you. I saw Melissa was on the squawk box this morning. You had that Indeed. gentleman on from Duke who actually wrote. He, he was very
1: he did the model about yeah. the inversion, the yield inversion, saying that, you know, inversion signals recession.
3: So here's one yeah. for you. Does does the inversion <laughs> signal recession or does it cause one?
7: Both, because the inversions tell look The 10, year you note know, even at 370 wouldn't it be where it is with inflation at five percent if the market didn't believe the economy is going to slow rapidly. So that's one score. But the other tend- the, the other guy is that the, the curve when it's inverted, banks can't make money, and that's why they started tightening lending standards last year before the we had this regional bank crisis. So it is a, both a predictor and cause of recession because the credit and money and lending multiplier basically falls apart when that curve is inverted.
1: Joe, do you think, you know, we were just talking about NVIDIA, jaw-dropping pop of 23% on the back of, you know, a crazy uh, guide on, on Q2 revenues. And, and I'm just wondering, you know, it may be an outlier, but that kind of move, the kind of guidance, it's not what you hear when we're about to head into a recession. It doesn't feel like it at least. And I'm just wondering how much you think the Fed looks at that, looks at the markets. They're saying, you know what, the S&P around 4,200, too high. Melissa,
7: I don't like the narrowness of growth in the economy. Right now it's being propped up by the consumer. Perhaps there's some excess savings. I don't see a lot of growth on the CapEx investment side. Housing's in a recession. Manufacturing's in a recession. NVIDIA is a great company, obviously. But when you look at the breadth of the equity market, it kind of parallels the breadth of the economy. It's very narrowly focused. That, to me, is not sustainable. I want to see breadth. I want to see a lot of different industries, a lot of different sectors of the economy participate in the growth. And again, let's not forget that monetary policy works with long and variable lags. We've raised rates a lot. QT is going to restart. It's possible we're going to get massive bill issuance. The liquidity will be sucked out of the market as the Treasury rebuilds its its operating balance. I mean, this could be a very fraught environment for equities over the over the summer. So, no, I don't take solace that one particularly impressive company's done well.
1: Joe, thank you. Joe Thanks, LaVornia. Melissa.
7: Thanks, everybody.
1: What was behind that question? I'm just curious.
7: Well, your
3: interview this morning.
1: Well, no, but I mean. What do you think?
3: Well, I mean, Joe's answer was both. I think it's more predictive than anything else. So, I mean, that's my sense. And the fact that people say it's different this time, they say it's different this time predicated, I think, on the employment picture, but I happen to think it's mutually exclusive. I think the yield curve is telling a story the market doesn't want to hear.
1: Yeah, but that narrowness that Joe is referencing is exactly why so many people, including you folks here, think the markets might be particularly vulnerable. I didn't say that.
4: The, the na- well, the, the na- the, no, no, no. I, but I think, I think it, history has shown that the market always has a narrow leadership. It's usually twenty percent ish. it's skewed to thirty percent of the market. Well, na- now it's twenty-nine on average. On average, it's been twenty percent. So yes, it's skewed for where we started off the show, for a
5: host of different reasons. But if you and, and if you add communications and tech, you know, you're close to forty percent. And and um, no, I I actually think that. The, the factors that are pushing those stocks higher um, are not going to change and therefore it may push them higher i mean the market as as a as a group um, i think can go higher we know what's going on below the surface and it's not pretty right um and and i just think you add positioning on top of that now the other side of that which is what had the market worried today and you can make an argument it's been doing this since the the, the early part of may definitely the last two weeks rates have been moving higher and rates have not only been moving higher on the yield curve, but on Fed fund futures. In fact, we've almost priced in another hike. Uh, we hadn't done that. We're now at a place where if you look uh, where we were out a year ago, Fed futures out to 24 at their peak, you know, four or five weeks ago, were 120 basis points of cuts in a year. Um, we're now inside of you know, 85 and going lower. And so I just think that higher rates for equities, we, we kind of heard those Fed minutes. We know the Fed is divided. We heard Waller today. The Fed is divided. Uh, and if anything, rates are staying higher for longer. That's not great for equities. But it may still be good for high multiple tech, excuse me, for mega cap tech, which is not considered right. high multiple tech.
1: But NVIDIA is high multiple. Pull up the chart in the after hours. It's uh, it, up 29% it sure <laughs> right now. 29%. Oh, so Historically, Ouch. HIGHER RATES ARE NOT GOOD FOR HIGH MULTIPLE STOCKS. AND YET WE HAVE HERE THE EXAMPLE OF NVIDIA, WHICH SEEMS TO LEVITATE HIGHER EVEN IN A HIGH INTEREST RATE, HIGHER FOR LONGER, HIGHER FOR high. I MEAN, WHATEVER YOU WANT TO SAY, IT'S HIGH RATES AND YOU DON'T THINK THAT A STOCK LIKE THIS SHOULD DO WELL. IS NVIDIA NOW DEFENSIVE? HAS SOMETHING CHANGED? No. I MEAN, what, WHAT DOES THIS SAY? I don't think the markets are pricing in the
6: higher for longer. I think we all agree that that's probably going to happen. I don't think cuts are necessarily happening later this year. And, yeah, there is starting to get more and more of a possibility of actually another hike, which, you know, we'll see if that happens or not. But I don't think markets are pricing that in now. I think that's why a lot of these high multiple companies are continuing to do well, because people are expecting there are going to be cuts. But I I would not discount that. And I think that's that's something you have to be cautious
1: about. All right. Twenty two minutes into the conference call. The mentions of AI, probably 20 and counting since 20 was hit like in the first 12 Would you call that a
5: Muppet newsflash?
1: Yeah. Remember that? Well, no. Muppet, you remember that? I don't remember that. I mean, well, I don't know. know. Was it Ernie? Was it Bird? Coming up. Well, no, it's like sideline reporters oh, nice. in the Muppets, don't you know? Oh, okay, Coming up. We've got more after-hours action shares of Snowflake dropping after posting results. we got the details from the quarter next, plus a drill down on the energy spice. The, the space, the group lagging behind the broader market this year. But could there be a rebound in the works? We'll debate that when Fast Money returns.
0: Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy.
1: The CFO of NVIDIA just wrapping up uh, his part on the conference call. They are taking analyst questions and answers at this moment, so we should have some more details about the quarter um, and what they're seeing right now in terms of demand. Shortly, we are seeing the stock higher by a whopping 26%. The market cap of NVIDIA, $975 billion in the after hour session. That's a gain of $220 billion in just the past hour and a half. That's an amazing.
5: I, I, I put a short out there on NVIDIA 235 and I covered it at 252. <laughs> well, good and thinking. that's why you <laughs> have risk management. By the way, I've gotten a lot of these wrong in my career. So I, but but this is one I'm happy to say it was get out of the way. Yeah,
1: um, we will, of course, keep you posted on any developments. Meantime, another earnings alert for you. Snowflake sinking more than 11 percent despite a top and a bottom line beat. The cloud computing company still lowering its full year guidance. Um, software this is another area does not work well in high interest rate environments and yet it is taking the cue from history
5: yeah valuation is is certainly the story here and if you if you look at you know kind of an ev to to to, to uh, earnings you know you've got some excuse me to revenues you've got snow somewhere around 18 times and this is not nvidia so i mean this is the problem if you look at uh, the setup and and the fact that a lot of these stocks have had very big runs into these numbers that is where I think you end up on these numbers. These numbers weren't that bad, but the stock had run almost 35% into these numbers. It is a high multiple stock. Mel, you you argued successfully that this is not a market that should be rewarding those companies other than NVIDIA, and I think that's the case.
4: Prior to this earnings cycle, three out of five times that it reported, the stock was down, and it was down the last go-around over 12%. So this stock, if you look at the chart, it's been in a declining trend line since way back when it did start to flatten out here. And it looked as if it was trying to get some of its legs back to it. And obviously, with a report like this, it seems like they have wood to chop.
1: All right. And speaking of Snowflake, Jim is chatting exclusively with the CEO, Frank Slootman. That is tonight. Catch a full interview. Top of the hour on Mad Money. There is a lot more fast money to come. Here's what's coming up next.
3: Bursting with energy, or so one can hope, oil stocks looking to regain their former glory. So can you count on a turnaround in this trade? Plus, social politics. From a presidential run announced on Twitter to the deep decline in Tesla's street cred. How Elon Musk's choices are impacting his companies. More on that ahead. You're watching Fast Money, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
1: couple of headlines on the debt negotiations. U.S. House leader Steve Scalise telling lawmakers that weekend recess will begin Thursday as will begin Thursday as planned, but that lawmakers should be ready to return in case of a deal. Members will get 24 hours notice that they need to return if an agreement is reached. All right. Meantime, energy is the only S&P sector in the green today, but it is still the worst performing group so far this year. Um, the pullback has created opportunities perhaps to get into the stocks. While well, some people think so. CNBC's Pippa Stevens takes us through the space. Pippa.
8: So, well, after two years of outperforming, energy stocks are lagging this year with the sector's PE ratio relative to the S&P 500 now sitting at its lowest level in more than two decades. Now, drilling down on the sector, the refiners are currently the cheapest with Valero Energy and Marathon Petroleum trading at 5.2 and six times forward earnings. APA and Phillips 66 also on the relatively cheaper side, while Hess, Baker Hughes and Williams are the most expensive. When it comes to Wall Street's favorite energy stocks, Halliburton, Targa Resources, and Schlumberger are top picks, with more than 90 percent of analysts rating them as buy. On the flip side, Kinder Morgan has the fewest buy ratings at 29 percent, with Cotera at 34 percent. Now, looking forward, Goldman Sachs said investors should focus on companies that have underperformed relative to peers, but that have positive catalysts on the horizon and that includes names like Antero, Conoco, Halliburton, and H.F. Sinclair. Melissa? Thank you, Pippa. Pippa Stevens.
1: Which do you like, Steve?
4: I think they had their time in the sun. And if you think back on, on what Pippa started off that interview with was the smallest percentage after two years of outperformance. Mm-hmm. If, they, if their percentage didn't grow in the last two years, it's not going to grow. I think the large integrated names, ExxonMobil, Chevron, all of these names with, obviously, a Warren Buffett headline here, Warren Buffett headline there, I think you could see them rally. And I know they're more efficient than they've ever been, but they're just not what the market is focused in on right now. I think oil is range bound, and I think these stocks have seen their highs.
6: Right. Actually, I would still be optimistic here on energy. I do think it's taken a back seat this year, definitely. Um, but what's kind of interesting is the higher that interest rates go, the more underinvestment there's been in energy. And there has been such underinvestment the last really decade right now. And that's why there's this huge supply and demand constraint that really hasn't gone away right now. Um, so I actually I do think, yes, it may take a little while to turn around here, but I would just say longer term, I would make sure you continue to play the energy space.
5: It, it, the, the, the P.E. differential from the S&P to the oil sector um, is at the lows that Pip was talking about. That's the market. OK, that's not the energy right. sector. I mean, that, that's my view. That's not everybody's view, I'm sure. But that is definitely my view. And oil stocks always trade cheap to the S&P. I mean, it was, that's what they do. They're cheap companies. Um, they are run better. They are more efficient. Um, if I'm listening to Saudi uh, energy minister over the last couple of days, who's basically saying and I think he used the term, they will be aching. And I realize maybe it was yeah. poor translation. But but um, <laughs> the point is that they are definitely keeping uh, that yes. there's going to be an ouchie yeah. um, and, and they are watching speculators. Um, they are also saying their own estimates are that there's going to be a million and a half barrel shortfall. So um, I, I actually believe them. And their talk of being proactive is something that we've already seen from them may not be enough. Um, but again, if people are worried about supply, I think they're aligned.
3: Quick pick. Marathon Petroleum's went from 138 down to 110. Reasonable valuation, levered play, MPC, I think this makes sense.
1: Coming up, more on Nvidia's big after hours move. Sales, shares surging after reporting a top and a bottom line, line beat. Huge raise to the guidance. We've got analyst reaction and fast money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks closing lower as investors awaited updates on the debt negotiations. The Dow dropping more than 250 points now in a four-day losing streak. The S&P falling nearly three-quarters of a percent and the Nasdaq down half a percent. Shares of Toll Brothers getting a boost on the back of its top and bottom line beat yesterday. The home builder weighing in on M&A opportunities on his conference call. The CEO also saying he would consider deals to grow Toll's existing markets rather than to expand into new regions. And that deals with private builders could help boost deliveries next year. Let's get another check in on shares of NVIDIA. We've got some details off that conference call. Christina parks Nevelis has been on that call following the whole thing. Christina.
2: Yeah, it's still going on and I'm just going to try to mute it on my phone, but Aside from AI, mentioned over 33 times, Nvidia CEO and CFO saying that data center demand is probably extended out for a few more quarters and that's why supply for them is so important. The CFO, Collect Kress, saying they have procured substantially higher supply for the second half of the year. I know there were a lot of fears about a shortage, so that was hopefully cooling those fears. CEO Jensen Wang, Wong stating that the entire world's data centers are moving to accelerated computing. He's saying it's a full stack challenge and it's taken them years to figure it out, exactly 15 years but despite all the competition which Jensen Seg said is in every direction he believes they're still the lowest cost solution because you can't just buy one chip you need to buy the entire architecture of the data center and they believe that they're doing it at the lowest cost interesting though at the top of the call they did say that the CEO will go to Taipei next week of course lock down those orders with TSMC guys
1: Huh, interesting, Christina. Thank you, Christina Parsonellis. Let's get more from Susquehanna managing director and senior semiconductor analyst, Chris Rowland. Um, Chris, great to have you with us. You know, when I saw that huge guide higher, you think they're not going to guide higher unless you know they can hit that hit at least that number, which is just staggering.
9: Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, This is one of the biggest blowouts I've seen in the last decade in semis. Uh, And it's coming in contrast to virtually every other semiconductor company missing. Uh, So this is a, a stark reminder that we are in the middle of a massive AI gold rush right now and NVIDIA has all the picks and shovels.
1: What should NVIDIA be valued at given this quarter and given the guide?
9: Well, people are scratching their heads. It's one of the most difficult uh, things to analyze out there right now. We had a PE of call it 80 times going into this report. Uh, our numbers are going to shake out going for our, from next year, from call it six bucks to 10 bucks in this single report, given this inflection. So the answer is it's extremely difficult and it's extremely open ended. Hey, Chris, I I was trying to
5: explain why they can't have this kind of a lead, but you just said no one else has a pick and no one else has a shovel. Who's close? And and we don't have the time or the bandwidth probably to get into the the technical answer on this, Um, but but, can anyone compete?
9: I will give you the short answer. The short answer is the best prospect that I can see right now would be AMD's MI300, uh, they might be in the ballpark. They're probably not close to the H100 uh, AI card out there, but we have a- actually some good prospects for-, for AMD in the accelerated computing space.
1: So, in terms of the guide higher, Chris, how should we think about in terms of how much can be attributed to AI, how much can be attributed to data center? Because we're seeing all of the chip stocks in the after hour session, pretty much except for Intel, trade higher not all of them, as you say, have uh, the ability to produce these AI chips. And so I'm just trying to figure out how we should think about the increases in the competitors of of NVIDIA. And should it really be an NVIDIA story?
9: Yeah, this is quite a bit uh, for a data center, but the vast majority of this is this AI arms race that's taking place right now. This is the gold rush of 1849, except this time it's built around generative AI, large language models, and NVIDIA really is the only game in town as of right now.
3: At what point, Tim mentioned this earlier, and we're far from it, but we've seen commoditization in this space many, many times over the years. Is it possible for that to happen a lot quicker than any of us realize?
9: Perhaps. Perhaps, but really right now it's centered all around the GPU. There are hundreds of AI startups over the past few years that have tried to get into this market. And there are really no viable competitors right now. Like I mentioned, there's a glimmer of hope for AMD and the MI300, but really NVIDIA is running the table here. And it's really around their language, CUDA. Um, and the libraries in CUDA that are making this the de facto standard.
1: Um, what is sort of the wild card um, that could dent AI? It seems like everything is going for it right now, Chris. Um, but what's on your radar in terms of something that can that can you know pop this bubble?
9: We have had AI winters in the past, big fits and starts. Uh, That's always a possibility here. We're now moving to more than a trillion parameters that these large language models are indeed analyzing. Um, And perhaps they, you know, top out at at one point in time and we go into a new winter. That is not my base case. I I, I do believe this is a Cambrian period for, for AI right now. Uh, and NVIDIA is indeed the beneficiary.
1: You tell you tell your clients to buy it at 391
9: I do. I do. Like I said, this is open-ended. Yeah. Um, but we also like the prospects for AMD. They have a great server chip where they're taking share from Intel. And then a glimmer of hope in what has become a massive, massive uh, data center, accelerated computing, and AI market.
1: Chris, thank you for your thoughts. Chris Rowland. Thanks, guys. Susquehanna. It's, it's really tremendous if you think about what's going on. But AI winter, that sounds kind of scary and cold. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that oh, any, anytime soon. It's just Perception
4: started. Blustery. Right? The, 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 <laughs> the spring just started in, in, in AI. So, And if you think about it, what are the analysts going to do tomorrow? Everyone's going to be forced to chase it and raise their price targets across the street. There'll be a couple of holdouts. But for a couple of days, they will be forced to chase.
6: Yeah. Yeah, and I think what's also interesting is looking at, like, their automotive division, which really is a pretty small portion right now of their business, grew 114% year over year, and I think could become actually something bigger for them, which we haven't talked about. But I do think there are still a lot of opportunities for them to continue to grow their space, and that's one of them.
1: Are you more convinced that AI could be worth this, Tim, after hearing Chris
5: uh, I, I know what I don't know, it's um, a gold which rush. is it's which is I've seen. I've seen gold rushes before uh, <laughs> across many different asset classes and, and different stocks. So um, that's what it feels like. I actually would do something different and say, I think we've hit the peak of the concentration of the S&P into seven stocks. I think this is going to be one of the crowning moments because I just don't. I, first of all, I think some of these companies like Apple, um, I, I think there, there is antitrust coming. Um, I think some of these companies are too big. And by the way, I I believe in democracy, folks. Um, I I just think uh, we're not going to see the S&P concentrated in the top six stocks like we see today ever again. I think we're peaking.
1: Would you be more inclined to go long or go short (laughs) Nvidia?
5: Well, let me think. (laughs) There's no
3: way I could say go long. I mean, given what I've been saying for weeks here. I mean, it'd be well, disingenuous. Would there's no way,
1: I can say good for yeah, sure
3: I mean No, should... I would say. Listen, I mean, again, wrong. You, you're. How many times do I have to be wrong? I'm wrong all the time, in this for the last four and a half, five months. That's so many. But no, I mean, there. I think when you start hearing total addressable market and all the gold rush and all these things, we,
1: Cambrian moment. That's a good line. Yeah,
3: that is a good line. Maybe it I'll is. use it. But I, you know, it's it's a trillion dollar company, with best case scenario next year, I think, fifty billion dollars in. Rep. Which is fine. I mean, but it takes a long time to grow into that
4: valuation. 90% of the market share. Keep remembering yeah. man, I think that's what fools everyone for Coming now. Coming
1: up. Musk making some political news. Ron DeSantis expected to announce his presidential run on Twitter Spaces tonight. What it means for Musk's other companies next. Fast money's back into. two. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Elon Musk hosting a Twitter Spaces event tonight, where DeSantis is expected to announce he is running for president. The move raising questions over the political role Twitter is playing under Musk, and this as a new poll out of Axios and Harris shows the reputation of Musk's other company, Tesla, is tanking. The EV maker now ranks number 62 on the list, and that is 50 spots below last year. Tesla stock was down as much as 4% today. So are his antics, I don't want to say antics, his um, expressions of free speech, which may have a political bent, often is it tarnishing the brand and hurting, ultimately, its shareholders? What do you think?
3: Well, I mean, if, if if you're alienating, whether you want to do it or not, potentially half of your consumer base, that's problematic, right? So I think it is hurting. Now, if he were to say, yes, I'm hosting this Twitter space with presidential candidate DeSantis, but... President Biden's welcome to come and any maybe that would sort of assuage some concerns. But I think this does not help the cause, in my opinion.
1: He has said at the Wall Street Journal CEO summit that he's not necessarily endorsing a candidate. And he wants Twitter to be more of a town square, in which case all voices would theoretically be be welcome. But still, half his customer base, in theory, we're all voices, but
4: he'll say all voices weren't welcome before. So he's trying to, to even out those odds because I think collectively every poll would say that it was lopsided to the other side before. He's trying to level it off now. And what I always find funny about free speech is people will say free speech right up until the point where you disagree with them, and then they want you to shut your mouth. So every, I believe in free speech. I think he believes in free speech. He's leveling the playing field
1: now. I believe in free speech, too. But when you're the CEO of a publicly traded company that free speech can harm shareholders, that's when oh, there's a lot the of the
4: publicly line. traded companies right now oh, who've who been who've been speaking their mind about everything and,
1: if and I were alienating everyone. Any of those companies, I would be upset. But, but I mean, right.
5: Elon said a lot of things as a CEO of a public company in his career that, that seemingly should have harmed the stock and never and, did. Right. Um, and 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 in fact, you know, my biggest criticism it's not that I don't like what he says or I do like what he says. It's that the rules don't seem to be for everybody. Okay. I mean, if I said that stuff as CEO of a public company, I think I'd be in jail. Anyway, uh, I think the other part of what it means for the stock is that if you think about some of the most loyal investors in the stock, um, they were happened to be people that believed in EV as a concept and believed in, you know, and again, the, the green nature of what he's doing. And my guess is that doesn't line up with some of his
1: political views. Coming up, we're going shopping. A couple of mall stocks cashing in in a big way today. Find out if our traders are coming along for the spree next. More Fast Money too. Welcome back to Fast Money, a pair of retail stocks topping the tape today. Kohl's jumping 7.5% after posting a surprise profit, reaffirming its outlook for the year. And Abercrombie & Fitch soaring more than 31% after upping its full-year guidance. It was the stock's best day since 2012. Courtney, what are you seeing on either of these?
6: Um, actually, I think it's really optimistic what you're seeing right now. I think, um, I think really what you see is, like, don't discount the millennial spender right now. I mean, clearly they are out and they are shopping right now, despite what is happening with inflation. Um, you know, I, I do think – I don't know, like, how much further these have to go. I do think they had a surprise the upside, especially in Abercrombie, after jumping 31%. I wouldn't be chasing that by any means, but I, I think it's really optimistic what we saw.
1: All right, let's dig in more to Kohl's now. Option traders betting on more gains ahead for this company. Mike Coe's got the action. Mike.
3: Yeah, second busiest retail name after Target, more than five times the average daily call volume. The weekly 21 strike calls were the most active. After taking some profits early, most of those were being bought for the second half of the day. Traders betting that this rally we see could continue.
1: All right, Mike, thanks for that. For more options action, tune into the full show. That is Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. more check on NVIDIA just off its after-hours highs, but still up a whopping 27%. That market cap currently $960 billion right. off a better-than-expected quarter. A right. massive guide. Analyst Chris Rowland over at Susquehanna saying that this is a Cambrian moment for uh, the development of AI and, and AI chips. And so here we see it in the after hours in NVIDIA. We'll see if this spills over to broader NASDAQ in tomorrow's trade. Final trade time, Tim.
5: Well, I'll use some of Chris's terms. He said picks his shovels. Uh, gold. Uh, let's <laughs> switch gears and say if you think rates and in, in the dollar are going higher, you don't want to own gold. The opposite, I think you want to own gold.
6: Courtney. ITB, um, I would not discount your home builders. They've actually um, been benefiting from higher interest rates, so take a look at that. Grasso.
4: God, you see what price NVIDIA is trading at? 385 Oh, 386 before. Come on now. Tesla, final trade.
1: MPC, <laughs> <laughs> Mel. All right. Thanks for watching Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.
6: warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer.
9: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive...